0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, we're a very special guest today, but how are you?
1: I'm doing well. And our guest really needs no introduction, but for those of you who are curious or may have not crossed paths with his story, we're joined today by John Bevere. I'll introduce him in a second, but John, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, and I'm so honored to be on the program with both of you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for saying yes. For those of you listening, Jabavir is an international speaker, best-selling author, who's known for his bold and uncompromising approach to God's word. He and his wife, Lisa, are the founders of Messenger International, an organization established to teach, reach, and rescue. Um, John and Lisa are a dynamic duo, power couple. Mike and I admire them greatly. And for more than three decades in ministry, their desire has been to support and resource the local church and leaders regardless of location, language, or financial position. And to this end, his resources have been translated in over 90 languages. Millions of copies have been given in the kingdom of God to pastors, to leaders. And yesterday was book launch day for his brand newest book called X, um, which is multiplying your God-given potential. And Micah, do you just want to transition into the conversation this morning?
0: Well, for the listener who does not know who John Bevere is, John, we would love for you just to start off sharing some of your story, the journey of life, faith, leadership with our audience today.
2: Well, you know, Lisa and I, we met in college. I actually had the privilege of leading her to the Lord on my first date. Wow. And so I was uh, played varsity tennis at Purdue University. And I was going to go ahead and become, uh, you know, way up in the corporate ladder. I was going to go get an MBA. I wanted to go to Harvard. My counselor was helping me get there. And when I got saved, uh, the Spirit of God really dealt with me. The fact that He didn't call me to corporate America, He had called me to vocational ministry. So I'm um, on my last semester. I meet Lisa. I lead her to the Lord. We fall deeply in love. We got married, and July, or excuse me, we got married on October second, 1982. Wow. Um, very next year, we went into full-time ministry in serving in two local churches, and then in 1999 or 1990, Messenger International was birthed. Our pastors prayed for us and released us, and to that end, now as you said, our passion is to. Uh, make disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say, go and make converts. He said, make disciples. So we have now given away over 41 million resources to pastors and leaders in 226 nations. And now it's over 110 languages. So oh it's just, um, our passion is just to disciple the nations of the world. And that certainly includes young leaders in America. So that's why I was like, yes, I want to be on this program. I want to be on with Micah and Josiah and talk about these things. These very important things about multiplication. As you can see with the title of this book, X, um, you know, I've got a ton. You know, we've got about 60 team members, and probably 80% of them are millennials and Gen Zs. So, uh, of course, they all said, We love X. And I said, It's a gamble, guys, but let's do it. And it's really not X, it's the multiplication
1: symbol as the title of the book. That's amazing. And I would love to just pick your brain. And Mike and I have read many of your books. I was looking at our bookshelf. It's in our basement, alphabetical. And there is a Bevere section between Addison, Lisa, and it has John. Its, it's
0: its own genre.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to be taken to the next level in your faith, I think that's where a lot of listeners are today, mm-hmm. is maybe they just started a ministry, John. They maybe are taking over an existing ministry, maybe their first role or hoping to get there. They're, they're listening to this resource. How do I get started? And I want to ask you about your new book, X. Why is multiplication one of the most important definitions of faithfulness? So,
2: uh, we're going to jump into the middle of the message. Let's, let's do this. Uh, can I back up and, 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 and address why the book is so important? For sure. Um, Yeah, because I wanna get to that. So I promise you before this is over, I'm gonna answer that question. But the reason I wrote this book is, I wanna see if this, and and I'm so glad because this is the first young leaders podcast that I've done. So I wanna ask you two both, when you hear the statement, he has a call of God on his life, or she has a call of God on her life, where does your mind go? Let's be really blunt level audience or honest, I often think that when we make that statement, we think he's gonna be a pastor, she's gonna be a worship leader, or she's gonna be a missionary, right? That is so limiting and so untrue to the fullness of that statement. For sure. Every single person listening to us right now has a call of God in their life. And with that calling comes unique spiritual gifts to fulfill that calling. Now, we've got a few problems here already. With the way our traditional church has established this, first of all, we think those those giftings all in are involved inside the four walls of the church. The answer to that is absolutely not. To be quite frankly honest with you, um, probably ninety-eight percent of those giftings are involved outside of the four walls of the church. Mm-hmm. So, in the medical field, in in education, in government, in professional yes. athletics, yep. so. Um, I was on a podcast with a leader and he had mentioned how his dad has now built a huge church, but the people, you know, they came and mowed the lawn when he was starting, they washed the windows. And I said to him respectfully, because he's a very close friend of mine, I said, no, you're not getting the full picture. I'm talking about most of these gifts are like removing tumors the ability to paint a picture like what's behind me, like Akiana did when she was eight years old of the Prince of Peace. Wow. I said, these gifts, if you look at a human being's body, this is what Paul describes, right? That the church is like a human being's body. It takes people eight years, eight years, to learn this human body to become a doctor. So we're going to limit the gifts of God within the four walls of the church? No, absolutely not. Now, the second problem is this. These gifts are actually God's ability and he entrusts those abilities to us. Mm-hmm. They don't automatically work. Okay, now I wanna I want bust a thought process that a lot of really good young leaders will have in their heart, right? They think if I'm godly, I don't cheat on my spouse, I pay my taxes on time, I'm faithful to be at the services and build my services or whatever I'm doing, the gift of God in me will automatically work because I'm godly. That is such a lie. Wow. There is not a more godly person in the New Testament than Timothy. Paul wrote to the entire Philippian church and said, there is no man I've met with more Christ-like character than Timothy. Yet Paul has to write to him in the first letter and say, Timothy, your gift is dormant. Stir it up. So that means that there has to be something done purposefully to engage the gift of God in our life. This is what I open up with in this book. First of all, I make people aware that they have a gift or gifts. Every Christian has them mm-hmm. to accomplish what we've been called to do. Secondly, I show that these gifts don't just automatically work. Now let's get to your question. How does this faithfulness and multiplication tie in together? Right. Well, look at the parable of the talents. Jesus is doing what he always does in parables. He's not talking about what he's talking about. <laughs> I love I love saying that statement. So an example, if you look at wheat, wheat doesn't represent wheat. It represents believers. If you look at tares, tares doesn't represent we, uh, weeds. It actually represents the ungodly. <laughs> Same thing with the parable of the talents. It is a bag of silver. A talent is a bag of silver. All right. It is a measure of weight. But he's not talking about that. He's right. talking about our unique giftings that god places on our life now first of all one gets one one gets two and one gets five so god doesn't give them equally he chooses what he's going to give but every person listening to us has at least one
0: Mm -hmm. at least
2: that's good now if you look and those talents bags of silvers they represent our unique spiritual talents so if you look at the, the, the guy with the two and the, and the guy, and let, let, let's put first names on it. Let's say Allison's got five. Let's say Dave's got two and Larry's got one. All right, Allison multiplies what is entrusted to her. Dave multiplies his two, two to four, five to 10. The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, if we stop right there, we can't equate faithfulness and multiplication. Mm-hmm. The next statement Jesus makes is mind-blowing. He said, you were faithful. Now, wait a minute. What is the only action or virtue that is attributed to Ashley and Dave's behavior in that parable? There's nothing other than the fact that they multiply. So Jesus directly equates faithfulness to multiplication. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That is a game changer when you really understand what I'm saying. So in other words, Jesus is saying one of the primary definitions of faithful in my eyes is to multiply what I've entrusted you with. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the original command that God gave to mankind in the beginning, God said, be fruitful and multiply. He wasn't just saying have babies, although that is included. He was saying, whatever I entrust to you, return it back to be multiplied. Now, if you look at Larry, Larry maintains what is given to him. He looks at him and says, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, Jesus doesn't use words carelessly. This guy is in the kingdom. Larry is in the kingdom, okay? So we're not talking about salvation here. We're Mm -hmm. talking about his productivity. What does the word wicked mean? It means this, possessing a serious fault. I'm I'm taking this right from uh, the Complete Word Study Dictionary. Possessing a serious fault, and that fault ends up hindering you in your productivity, okay? Lazy, we understand. So in regard to our labor, God views those that are multiplying as good and faithful. God views those who are maintaining as wicked and lazy. Now that's a game changer when you think about it. Okay. Now, if you look at the importance of this, it means, am I, first of all, is my personal gift engaged? And secondly, am I multiplying to impact people? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people would think, okay, I've got my business, my small business, I've got my wife, I'm faithful. No, in regard to your labor, God doesn't see that as faithful, he sees it as lazy. And so it's really important that we understand, now that doesn't put pressure on us, it puts pressure on the gift of God in us. And the only way to engage that gift is to believe in him. Mm -hmm. So that's where we get multiplication being equivalent to faithfulness.
0: John, I think that's so good to recognize the one, two, and five talents. And many of our listeners, we know that we all have fears. We all have um, things that are hindering us from saying yes to God. What would you say to somebody listening um, that recognizes something's like, I'm holding back my God-given talents, my God-given ability, and what might be holding people back or hindering them from the multiplication process, and how can they overcome this hurdle in their life or in their ministry?
2: You nailed, the, you nailed the key word, it's fear. So if you look at the first statement out of Larry's mouth is, I was afraid. Well, first statement out of his mouth is, I perceived you to be a hard man. Mm-hmm. So first of all, he didn't recognize the character of his Lord. So number one is if we don't recognize the character of Jesus. And the only way you're going to know his character is spend time with him. Right. That's good. So you guys, we're meeting right now on this podcast. You really don't know me. Mm-hmm. You know, you know my stage presence, you know my podcast presence, but you really don't know me. Now, Lisa Bevere knows me. We were right. married 38 years, okay? She knows my character. There are a lot of Christians out there, they have a very surface relationship with God. That easily, easily can translate into perceiving him incorrectly. If you see him in the light of maybe your dad who was hard with you, harsh with you, or your one of your coaches or one of your teachers who was hard or harsh with you, now all of a sudden you're translating authority because God is the source of all authority, right? Mm-hmm. And not the source of all behavior, but he's the source of all authority. So now all of a sudden you're looking at God and you're perceiving him to be that critical coach that you had or that critical father you had, right? Or mm-hmm. critical teacher. Now all of a sudden you're afraid to fail. So right. first thing Larry says is, I perceived you as a hard man and I was afraid. Now, if you look at Timothy, why was the gift of God not operating his life? Paul said, stir up the gift because God's not giving you a spirit of fear, timidity or intimidation. Right. So it was timidity that caused both the, the servant, Larry and Timothy to not multiply their gift. and. What we're saying here is so crucial because Jesus makes a statement. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finishes work. So food is what strengthens us, right? Mm-hmm. Try going five days, not eating and then getting into a fist fight. You're going to get walloped, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm speaking in natural terms right now. Mm-hmm. Try going without the word of God, try going or excuse me, try going without food for five days in the spirit and then getting in a fight with the enemy. This is why a lot of people backslide. Now, of course they backslide because of a lack of an intimacy. But a second reason Jesus said is my food, they don't get the nourishment. So Jesus said, as the father sent me, I'm sending you. So the very thing, same thing applies to us. We have two very important aspects in our life. Number one is identity intimacy with God. That's how we gain our identity. Number two is our, um, oh my gosh, our purpose. Sorry. Our purpose is what feeds us. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. So if we're not multiplying, if we're not productive, then all of a sudden now we're getting weaker and weaker in the spirit. And
1: that's why I feel this message is so important. That's good. John, <clears throat> you brought up a great point, and And that's just like, like fear is holding so many people back. And it's crazy to think about it like what held Larry back, what held Timothy back, and that fear isn't anything new under the sun. Right. Fear is age old, and that's one of the tricks of the enemy. And you also write in X about um, that frustration or discontentment can actually be a catalyst that... Um, stirs our faith towards multiplication how is that so if you look at abraham
2: god appeared to abraham and said i'm your i am your reward can you imagine almighty god appearing to you and saying i'm your reward you would be like oh my gosh i'm having a party okay but abraham's response was totally different than what most people's would have been he would have said big deal he was like i don't have a son i don't have an heir so you're my reward for the next 25 50 years but then i don't have an heir and god said i have a problem we have a problem not i have a problem abraham's got a problem he has no vision so that's when god shows him the stars and says that's how many your children are going to be so god gives him a vision of multiplication right now with me you know beta satan was a best-selling book it was I mean, literally it exploded 25, six years ago when I wrote it. Right. But I'm going to these conferences, I'm speaking to 10,000 people and I realize only about 800 people are going to get that book. And I've only preached one chapter in the book. I was extremely frustrated. That is what birthed us doing the curriculums or studies. Mm -hmm. And it ended up that 20 over 25,000 churches use those curriculums and studies. Right. In, the, in America, over a thousand churches in Australia, over 500 churches in, in England. But then the frustration became, God, I know these aren't my messages, these are yours. People overseas need them. And I started trying to make them available and I was sitting with a pastor in Iraq. And the pastor in Iraq said to me, John, you're like a dad to me. I've read everything I can get my hands on. I've even used my credit card and I wanted to crawl into a hole. So that frustration caused me to scream out my room, God, how do we how do we resource these pastors that are desperate? We have books everywhere in America. We have po- all this stuff, right? They have nothing in these nations like Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Myanmar. I could go on and on and on. That frustration caused me to scream in my hotel room in Beirut, Lebanon, because I met with that pastor in the hotel in Beirut, Lebanon, where I was ministering to pastors from all over the Middle East, and God gave me the idea. And now, 10 years later, over 41 million resources have been given to pastors and leaders overseas, and we've just now developed an app because there was another frustration. Yep. How do these guys share this with their congregations? Yep. And so we developed a $2 million app and it's amazing. A few business men and women and Farmers. a couple of churches paid off the $2 million app. So starting January three messenger X will go up online and now a pastor yeah. in Miramar can take the beta Satan, the entire study, the entire curriculum and can send it to everybody in his church because it works perfectly on his iPhone or his Android and over five, billion people have Androids and iPhones. Right. So we are now going to not just be able to help the leaders, but every single person in every church globally. So all of those frustrations served as catalysts to get me to cry out. Crazy. One of the one of the problems, one of the problems, I want you to really think about this. One of the problems of the church that Jesus said he was going to vomit out of his mouth in the book of Revelation. We have the Laodicean church. Jesus I I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. What was the big problem? He said, because you say I'm well off and I need nothing. The great, one of the great, great curses to our labor was when we hit a state where we need nothing. So I've reached a plateau. I've reached a level of success that was better than my parents or better than I expected. And now instead of pressing on, we plateau. I'm 61 years old and I could have been totally satisfied with just giving these books to these millions and millions of leaders. But the frustration causes to press further and this app developer has done Lush, L'Oreal, Royal Caribbean, Vogue. I mean, I asked for a Mercedes app, we got a Ferrari okay? It is unbelievable what these pastors are going to be able to do. They'll get pop-ups whenever they get new courses. They will have all kinds of, you know, curtailed. uh, We we will curtail from helping them what they should be studying. I mean, it is going to be a game changer. And this is the way it should happen with all of us. I don't care if you're an ER nurse. I don't care if you're a a school teacher going into a third grade classroom. What did Daniel do? To be honest with you, People in the medical field and all that, I am like so not envious is not the right word, but I'm so excited for them because I look at Daniel. Daniel wasn't a minister. He was a government leader. Mm-hmm. He was in the administration mm-hmm. of the king of Babylon. Yep. But he wasn't trained by the best teachers and leaders and scientists in the world. He was trained in this little country over off somewhere called Israel. Babylon was the number one nation in the world, economically, socially, politically, militarily, in the arts, in science. He comes into this country and the king interviews him and he says he's got 10 times the wisdom, 10 times the innovation, the creation of any other leader in their country.
0: Yeah.
2: And then he comes up with ideas they'd never thought of and he gets promoted like crazy. So Daniel 6.3 says he distinguished himself among the government leaders. So if you're an ER nurse, you should be going in trusting in the gift of God to come up with a way of treating patients better, right? Or if you're a school teacher, you should walk in and say, okay, God, I know the gift of God in me will give me the way to communicate wisdom and knowledge to my students that nobody's ever thought Mm -hmm. of. And what's going to happen? That school third grade teacher is going to distinguish herself in the entire school system. They're going to go, my gosh, where's she getting these ideas? It's called... (laughs) the supernatural gifting that we're supposed to multiply. So I gave you my example. I'm in vocational ministry, but 98% of us of the people listening to us are not right. Mm-hmm. And right. this is the vision I want to give them. If they've got us business, they're going to create ways through the gift of God of opening up five more different locations and on and on and on and on and on. And on. So it's limitless. We can't limit God. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that's at work in us, not according to the power that comes from heaven, according to the power that's at work in us. That's the gift of grace, the gift of charisma, the giftings that are in us. So anyway, I'm I'm preaching.
0: So good. Well, John, even for the listener, if that doesn't stir your spirit or that doesn't fan into flame, something that God has put in your soul as a listener today, I would say get in the prayer closet, yeah. start reading the word of God and ask that he would download wisdom, knowledge, discernment, creativity, a burden, action. yes, creativity yeah. in the midst of In COVID or coming out of COVID or wherever we're going to be in the future, we need to know that God is still doing his job. Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the father and he's doing what he's, he's down, he's wanting to download things to us. But if we're willing and we're desiring more of him, that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to show up in and through everything supernaturally. And we just get to team up with him. That's what he's saying. Team up with me and I will do and I will show you. And I, you can go farther and you can do it longer than you ever anticipated. And John, we just love that the listeners love this part of the message or the interview that we get to pick your brain with five final thoughts. So we have five okay. questions Rapid in, fire. in five minutes. So we were not no, going to no, interrupt no. you. Less than one minute for each response. Do you think you can do Got it? it. Okay, he's warmed up, listeners. He's already warmed up here. (laughs) Question one, John.
1: A lot of our listeners, and you wrote about this in the book, but in in the audience are listening, and they're young leaders. What encouragement or advice do you have for leaders who are serving somebody else's vision? Mm. Yes, you can't.
2: God will not allow you to multiply what belongs to you until you multiply what belongs to somebody else. Scripture on that is he was faithful in another man's. Until you are faithful in that, which is another man's, who will give you what is your own. Put the word multiplication in for faithful, and you get until you multiply what begins with what belongs to another man, who will give you what is your own.
0: So good. Question two, John. If you could describe your soul in three words in the season that you're in, what would those three words be?
2: Excited, anticipate, anticipating, and passionate.
1: John, that's a model. So
2: COVID, COVID has caused people to protect, withdraw, when in reality Jesus said, occupy till I come. I've never been more passionate about occupying and getting out and not allowing the fear that's on our society to stop
1: and hold me back. Right, John, what you said about multiplying and the app and the books that you're giving away and resourcing mm-hmm. the church globally is a model to me at 29 years old of how to keep the gas pedal going at 61. and. I texted a friend of mine. He did the hip hop song. He's a college pastor, friend for over a decade. And he did our intro outro music. And his name's Mike Miz. I said, you're his hero. And I said, if you could ask John Bevere tomorrow morning, one question, what would it be? And he said, what would you tell your 29 year old self? That's question three.
2: Oh, Mike. Great question. I would tell my 29 year old self passionately pursue the fear of the Lord. Now, why am I saying that? First of all, the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of God. How can you have intimacy with God if you're scared of him? It's the fear of God. The first definition is to be terrified of being away from him. If you look at Solomon, he had it at the beginning of his life. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the wisdom he walked in was amazing. But then he lost his fear of God and he becomes a madman. Everything is vain, right? What goes around comes around, right? Life's vanity. But then at the very end, he gets his fear of God back. And he says, this is the conclusion of life. Ecclesiastes 12, fear God and keep his commandments. Amen.
0: That's so good. Okay. A man John, question number four. One of my favorite passions is purity, living a pure life, relationships, dating, all engagement, all that good stuff. And I know that you've written about this. And I would just ask you, what would you say um to the people that are in a form of ministry and leadership with purity and pornography, what would you say to them to encourage them? We know the statistics are skyrocketing mm-hmm. of what people are exposed to or choosing to let in their eyes and hearts and everything else. What would you say to the pastor struggling, the listener, the learn the leader, anybody who's up against um, just that hard discussion of purity and pornography yep. how?
2: So, first of all, I want to say uh, one of the greatest services we've done, especially with the young generation, is we have preached the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to get me free from the penalty of sin, but it's just not powerful enough to get me free from the bondage of sin. Wow, That is a lie. Okay? That's a lie. If we just get out in the open, this grace that we've taught— You're basically telling me that the blood of Jesus or the grace of God is not powerful enough to get me free. I was bound to pornography from 11 to 25. Mm -hmm. I got completely free and I've been, and I'm free to this day. Mm -hmm. So if God can set me free, he can set you free. And I'm going to tell you why what you just said is so important. The Bible says pursue holiness without it. You don't see God. Now, if you don't see God, you're not going to be transformed because the Bible says we're transformed as we behold him and we go from glory to glory. So you're not going to be transformed. So what you're end up going to be is a shipwreck. And if you're in a leadership position, you're going to pull a lot of people down. So the thing I'm going to say is stop it. God has given you the power to stop it. Right. Now, the problem is a friend of mine could not get free, could right. not get free. He fasted. He prayed. He even had leaders pray. But one day he was so mad. He said, why can't I stop this addiction? And God said, because you still like it. And he said, John, from that day forward, I never fought that addiction again. I realized the real problem was I still tolerated it. I still liked it. So I know the statistics. 70% of the men that go to church on a regular basis watch pornography on a regular basis. Right. Mm-hmm. That's an epidemic. That's an epidemic, right there. Yes. Yep. Okay. That means 70% of the men are not getting a clear vision of Jesus. That means 70% of the men now can be easily deceived. God's power. God's power can liberate you from pornography.
1: Walk away from it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: Amen. And John, this has been phenomenal to tap into your wisdom with the last question that we ask every guest. Your book is chock full of wisdom, and I should say, plural, your books are chock full of wisdom from your personal experience and from scripture that you depend on. If there was only one thing that you could leave a college pastor, a young adult ministry leader, or a young learner today who's listening, what would that be?
2: Yes, get the eternal perspective. You probably are living right now with a 70- or 80-year perspective, and it's because that foundation of eternal judgments and rewards is not established in you. And so um, if, let me give them all an example. If I go to a wedding rehearsal and there's two tables filled with desserts and I have a one-day perspective, I'm going to eat every dessert on the table. If I have a six month perspective,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: what am I going to do? Eat one or zero of the desserts. Why? I don't want an upstick stomach tomorrow. I don't want 10 pounds of fat on my body next week. And I don't want compromised long-term health. Mm -hmm. So the problem we have with young people is they see their life as being so long, so, so much ahead of them. They only see it 70 or 80 years. Okay. So now they live differently. They won't endure things they would necessarily endure. They need to see all life, even though they're only 29, through the eternal perspective, because then they'll make decisions differently.
0: That's so good. Living with a heaven-minded urgency and just allowing God to (laughs) constantly renew us each and every single day. So, John, we are so thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining us today. What a great conversation. Um,
2: Can Can I add one thing? Yes. You brought up something that I don't want to leave incomplete. There are a lot of people listening to us, and you're struggling with pornography. My, I have such a heart of compassion for you. Uh, we have a thing, a, a website called MessengerCourses.com, or you can go to johnthevere.com. One of the courses is Porn Free, and I walk through in ten lessons. They're only fifteen minutes long each. How to get free from pornography? I give my example. I even talk about our our neural connectors in our brain, the synapse connections. <laughs> I talk about that, I went to medical studies on that, not Christian websites, medical studies. I share with people how those strongholds are bro- broken because that was the big thing for me that took a couple years. But I wanna speed up what's happening in their life. And the other thing I wanna say is the book, you can go to get it on Amazon or then go to johnbevere.com and get it there too. Or any store, they can go to Target, they can go to
1: Barnes and Nobles, any place. Definitely, we highly recommend this. Um, We will be sure to link in the show notes, the messenger courses, as well as your website that you just talked about for those struggling and wanting freedom. And I would say this to every listener, don't get a copy of the book, get two. Because what we did is at our young adult ministry, we went um, through as a young adult ministry and we combined with the men's ministry, uh, Killing Kryptonite. And it was remarkable to not read it alone, but to process it and to to go into just a dialogue. And so, so grateful for you, John. We will link it to Messenger International as well as X Multiply Your God Given Potential when you visit us on our website at youngadults.today. Thanks so much.
2: Josiah, thank you. Micah, thank you. You guys are a beautiful couple. And I see so far ahead of me and Lisa when we were in our late 20s. So I'm proud of you both. Keep up the great work and let us know how we can support you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, John. We appreciate you and Lisa so much, even from a distance. (laughs) See you. Thank you.
1: Love you you both. Bye. (laughs)